Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft News Podcast. I'm Joe Marino of NET Scout and FanRag Sports. Joined by Kyle Krabs, the founder and director of scouting with NET Scouting. Also with FanRag Sports. And we are your hosts here on a Monday edition of the Draft News Podcast. Fresh off the Super Bowl, but we got to let you know we're recording this before the Super Bowl. So we don't have any takes on the big game. But I know that I could probably speak for Kyle when I say, fly, Eagles, fly. What's going on, man? E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! Let's do it, baby. I'm ready to roll. Do it for America, right? Like, is anybody yes. south of Boston rooting for the Patriots? No, listen, and no, I don't think that they are. And it's it's one of those things where, like, the conference championship games were so exciting because it was all this new blood, right? Like Jacksonville and Minnesota and Philadelphia. It's like, I don't even care who, like, I thought Minnesota was going to win, but I didn't care who won that game because it's like, it's somebody new. And when I look through the docket of the AFC championship representatives since 2000, and it's like 10 Tom Brady's, five Peyton Manning's, and like three or four Ben Roethlisberger's, I'm just I'm tired of the same old same old, and it's time for some new blood. The Eagles, the underdogs. I am with you. Let's do this thing. I have two follow ups to that, Kyle. Um, my thinking personally has shifted, right? Because I was in this, I was in this sphere where I didn't want any team that hasn't won a Super Bowl to win a Super Bowl before the Bills did. Like, I want it to be the next team, right? Yeah, so you're like, selfish, yeah. Yeah, I get, so that's fine. But I want it to be that next team. But, you know, I've, I've, I've learned to be a little more gracious. Like, 
you know, maybe if I'm happy for other people that I'll get mine uh, one day. Oh, yeah. Also, a little good juju. Baby, look, I'm trying everything, man. And then also the Gronk hit on Trey White. It ruined any admiration I had for that team. And I know that Rob Gronkowski is not indicative of that entire roster, but I just do not want to see that man happy tonight. Uh, so there's that in mind. The second thing I wanted to ask you, because you live in Philadelphia. What's up? Yes. What's, what's the town like? Is, is it safe to go outside right now? Uh, yes, because the weather sucks right now. Like, I'm driving down 95 right now, and it's 36 and rainy. And I'm hoping that's not, like, foreshadowing for all of Philadelphia's tears uh, later in the night. But, uh, no, th- this city has kind of reached its fever pitch, and they're talking about uh, if the, the Eagles win, they're expecting, like, millions of people to turn out for the parade on Tuesday because it's just going to be, like, a complete madhouse, right? Like, nobody's leaving their houses. I can just stay at home, shell up, watch some film, not have to worry about anything else. But I also just want to see, like, there's this perception of Philadelphia fans, right? That they're psychotic and they're nuts. And I want to see, okay, let's, let's put them to the litmus test. How crazy can Philly fans get tonight? I want to know. I want to read the headlines. You know that the, the police department had put Crisco on the street lights to try and deter people from climbing up the street poles after the NFC Championship game, and it didn't work. They still climbed the damn poles. So I want to know, how are you going to top yourselves? What what are crazy Eagles fans going to do to celebrate this team's first Super Bowl? And I hope, I hope I'm sitting at home right now to, uh, as people are listening to this, finding out by reading the headlines. Well, we'll find out. Uh, just a, shoot, a few short hours from the time we're recording this, uh, if the – if the Eagles are indeed going to dethrone the Patriots like everybody roots for. One last thing on this Super Bowl discussion. Kyle, did you know it was cold in Minnesota? Like, what is all of these tweets and comments about how cold it is in Minnesota and how there can't be cold weather uh, Super Bowl towns? Like, did, is this, did this sneak up on somebody? Like, hasn't it always been freezing cold in friggin' Minnesota? Like, why is this a thing? Dude, my favorite part is you, you get the tweets from people that are, aren't from the area that are taking pictures of like the locals walking around in like skirts and like light coats and they're like it is 10 degrees out what are these people doing (laughs) yeah it gets really cold in some places and uh, it's like like in the winter time if you take a vacation you go to to florida or whatever and it might only be seven degrees but it's the hottest you've ever been all year because you're just not conditioned to that kind of weather it swings both ways if you live in cold places like i i walk out in the 20s and 10s and gym shorts sometimes like it you, you get used to it but yeah um i i i think it's a good good plan to kind of spread the love a little bit and let some other cities enjoy a super bowl so it's not tampa and miami and uh san diego every year uh, but minnesota yeah, it's a tough sell when it's negative negative two degrees out. That's a tough sell for me. Look, you know, for me, I think that the Super Bowl should be on a 32-year rotation to each one of the 32 NFL cities. If it's okay to play the conference championship outside at Lambeau Field or in uh, Foxborough or at MetLife Stadium in New York, then it's okay to play the Super Bowl in those places as well, and it should be a once-every-32-year cycle that every NFL city gets a chance to host a Super Bowl. I don't give a crap about the temperatures 
or anything like that. That's that's my hot take on where the Super Bowl should be held. Yeah, but there's there's a problem with that. Is the Super Bowl's not a fan based event? It's a corporate based event. It's a money making event. They're not going to want to host it. I'm sorry, Buffalo. Oh, baby. The NFL's not <laughs> interested in hosting. Yeah. The Super Bowl in Buffalo. I get it, but that's to me. To me, it's a football game. You know what I mean? And that's just like the the, the contrast between the reality of it, what it is, like you said, a corporate event. And for me, it's a football game, man. And, and right. I'd love to see it in Cleveland and Buffalo and Cincinnati and hell, Philadelphia. Every every town deserves a chance to host a Super Bowl if they have an NFL team. But anyways, Kyle, this is an NFL Draft podcast, and we've got this thing coming up in seventy nine days, and. You know, I finally, not well, I guess I took the time recently to really get into the film of LSU running back Darius Geis, Penn State running back Saquon Barkley, and I know that you're well-versed on both of those players. And these guys are widely regarded as the top two running backs in this class and players that we see very frequently in mock drafts. You know, Saquon Barkley is, is usually in the top five of mock drafts. You know, we think that there's some thoughts out there that he's a generational-type talent, you know, and, and, you know, so what I wanted to do today, what we wanted to do here is contrast these two players, you know, validate those claims, and talk about their styles and you know just how much these guys can impact an NFL offense. Kyle, any kind of leading thoughts as we get into this? Yeah, uh, I would start with Barkley. Barkley is, in my opinion, a generational talent. Uh, that does not mean he's a perfect prospect. Uh, there, there, you know, there was even some nitpicking last year on Miles Garrett. Well, Miles Garrett was my top-rated player this this past year. Uh, Saquon Barkley is going to score if he tests anywhere near where he's supposed to as the top-rated player on my board this year. So, I I really think he has every box checked. Where there's concerns with Barkley, and I don't want to steal your thunder here, but I'll just give you the perception on Barkley as far as you know where there's a disconnect between some of his production and play and his traits is this Penn State offense. I really took exception to how long some of these plays took to develop. So you'll hear people talk about Barkley and the yards per carry and Barkley uh, really struggling against Ohio State, Michigan State, Heck, even Rutgers, he didn't have a great game. But if you watch the play structure and you watch the play as it's built to take place, there's a very long time spent at the mesh point. And Penn State's offensive line is not good. So you have prominent defensive linemen at a Power 5 powerhouse like Ohio State, and these guys are just teeing off as Penn State is trying to milk this lead. No, Saquon Barkley's, uh, I think three of his first, or two of his first, like, three or four touches were, like, big explosive plays, including one that he ran back for a touchdown to open the game. Like, he has those explosive plays every single game. It's the flashes. It's when Penn State tries to get into a rhythm with their offense, and the other defense knows how that play structure is, is taking place and what they're trying to do with the football. Penn State trying to milk the clock in the second half of that game and run the ball, they just they just get through gaps, and that mesh point takes so long. By the time Barkley has uncovered with the football, there's two or three guys that have him boxed in, and he's deeply set in the backfield. He's, he's not lining up 
and getting a quick charge downhill. He has to almost come to a complete stop and process the play at the mesh point as he's receiving the football. So I don't want to hear the nonsense about the production and you know the, the, the struggles in the middle of the season because when you watch the, the game transpire, you see there's very obvious blatant reasons why the production does not match the traits. Yeah, I, I hate Penn State's run game scheme. Um, just the, to all, all the things you were talking about, they didn't have the personnel up front to run these elongated plays that took forever to get going, and um, it did make it very easy. There were so many plays when Saquon just had dudes right at his feet before he was even able to take a step forward. So I definitely see that. Um, you know, I think everybody kind of knows what's so exciting about Barkley. It's just he's, his physical traits are so good. He's got rare agility and elusive traits for his size. Um, he can catch the football. His burst and explosion is, is just exceptional. I mean, from a physical traits perspective, yeah, I, I think this is absolutely a generational running back. Let me say this, though, and, and I, my, my gripes with Barkley are not necessarily about his production. Um, and I'll say this also before I kind of get into this, is that Saquon Barkley is going to be a top ten player on my board. I, I think he's exceptional. But I want to talk about some of the warts that maybe I think I interpreted from his film. Um, what I like to kind of to tie a bow on this as we get into it is I think that Saquon Barkley's packaging is just a little bit shinier than his product. And what I mean by that is three things that I think are concerning with Saquon Barkley's film. First of all, I don't necessarily think he trusts his vision a lot of times. And I understand the context of this offense is, is pretty poor. And so that probably opens up his vision a little bit more than it should at times. And there's situations where I see a wide open front door and he's looking for side doors. And so, um, you know, sometimes I just want to see him to just go, just go hit that first, hit that crease. You know where it's going to be. You know where the play design's supposed to go. And sometimes it's there and I still see him trying to, you know, work laterally for, for no reason. So this is something that you've said a lot about running backs is about leaving meat on the bones. And I, and I think that there are times, and that's that's absent of the scheme. It just sometimes, sometimes I think there's a little meat left on the bone. Number two, and this kind of goes hand in hand with it, is I just want to see him bang sometimes. Like sometimes just like there's C3, get three. And it goes back to it seems like he's always, not always, it seems like there are plays where he's just kind of ignoring that that initial hole, like just tuck it up in there and go. And, and so I don't know if it's if it's the, the, the offensive line and the scheme has ruined him a little bit, but there are times I just want to see him be a little bit more of a banger, especially uh, for his size. I've got some minor gripes in, in pass pro when he's facing up, but I'm not super concerned about that. But, you know, for me, it, it's this guy, he's, you know, he's, he's a big back, like 225. He's probably going to be between 220 and 230. And, you know, he really kind of resolves to – his elusive traits more often than I want. Now, I like that to an extent because that's probably going to preserve his career. He's not going to take as many hits. But, like, I just want to see him go trust his eyes, hit that crease and anticipate it a little bit better, uh, be able to just tuck it up into the line of scrimmage from time to time and take take the three yards that's available to you. And then, you know, like, why aren't you as – you're not he's, – he's more of a tackle – break uh, avoider like he knows how to make people miss but like does he really have a lot of situations where he breaks tackles by by really just kind of powering through them for a guy of his size so there's my warts keep in mind this is a top 10 player for me i think he's special but those are the things that come to mind when i think about some of the concerns with Barkley. 
Yeah, so if we're looking at just that component of it, you know who I'm thinking of? And it's a really great example of, like, what we might see from Barkley. Because I don't disagree with you. I think he, the, there's a tendency with him to look to bounce and hit home runs. He knows a lot of times it's almost like he's just assuming that the hole's not going to be there. And he's like, all right, I have to have a plan B. Instead of plan A's here, I'm going to take it. It's almost like he's he's forcing the run to be harder than it has to be by looking to bounce. Reminds me of not physically, but as far as these words that you talked about, Joe, Melvin Gordon at Wisconsin. Kind of the same thing where Melvin always looked to bounce. He has the speed. He has the ability to get outside and get the corner on guys. But leaving the meat on the bone, not tucking up into an A-gap and putting your head down and grinding out five or six yards. I think it's very promising, some of these concerns that you have with Barkley, because I don't necessarily disagree with you, that we've seen Melvin Gordon come in, and his first year was a little shaky, but Gordon has gotten much, much, much better throughout the course of his first several seasons at hitting the line of scrimmage and trusting the hole and putting his shoulder pads down and grinding out yardage. Is that something that you think is a fair kind of parallel between the, the concerns with both those guys? Yeah, I think I think that's very fair. And I think that once he's in a situation where he can trust what's in front of him a little bit more and he's not having to have these like just delayed handoffs and stuff like that where he's going to be able to be coached yeah. up to just go. It's going to, you know, it's going to happen for him. Um, there's a lot of those runs where it's like it's elongated and then you can tell he has to take like two steps to the right first and then his eyes are supposed to go back inside and you've got guys working back across the formation and down blocks that aren't happening and wham blocks that just aren't getting there. It's just, it's really ugly. It's really ugly. So I, I'm, I'm obviously banking on him being in a better structure around him and, and obviously the physical traits are, are just as special as they can be and, and those will take over. I think uh, Saquon, if you put him a little deeper in the backfield and let him work into the line of scrimmage more as he's receiving the football, I think you're going to see much better results because he's already going to have some of that forward momentum. I mean, there's they, they run this stupid counter where they get him in the mesh point. It's like a re-counter, and Barkley literally comes to a stop and has no momentum. This is a big back. Why do you want him five yards in the backfield with dead feet as he's receiving the football? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I think Barkley in a system that's going to get him a little deeper in the backfield is going to allow him to get some forward momentum as he's receiving the football. And especially if you get him in an offense that's not afraid to use a fullback, I love him there because now if you've got a fullback in the game, you can use him as your blocker. You can consistently implement Barkley in the receiving portions of your pass game and not handcuff him as a single back that's going to have to be sucked into pass protection on occasions. So that traditional eye set, I'm very excited at the potential of seeing Barkley in that kind of role, in that kind of structure as compared to what we had here at Penn State where he's spread out and asked to make a lot of mesh reads. In, in a related and unrelated note, rest in peace, whoever the Mississippi State uh, running back is next year in this <laughs> in this offense that uh, Joe Moorhead's oh, taking with him to the SEC West, Kyle. To the SEC West, he's going to be doing this against the likes of LSU and Alabama and Auburn. So, uh, good luck. Good luck over there, Joe Moorhead, and your crappy, crappy run scheme. Kyle, let's get into some Darius guys speaking of the SEC West. Uh, why don't you uh, set, set the table for us, and I'll, uh, I'll chime in with some thoughts. 
Hold on, I'm not done pouring one out for Morstead yet. What does your morning sound like? Uh, goodbye, baby. She's finally asleep. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I get a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? Mmm. Here's to making your morning routine a little better with a delicious breakfast from McDonald's. Mix and match two of your favorites for just $4. The sausage McMuffin with egg and the sausage egg and cheese McGriddles. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. As far as guys, I I think you have to temper your expectations for guys based off of his 2017 performances. And remember, this is a guy that was consistently banged up throughout the course of the year. His 2017 tape is not as good as his 2016 tape. Uh, When he stepped in for Leonard Fournette last year, he really exploded onto the scene, created a lot of positive buzz about his traits. But I think what's most interesting about Geis is he's very different from Barkley in that Barkley's not the most polished because of where he's coming out of as far as the offense, but like elite physical tools. I don't necessarily think Geis has an elite physical skill set. I think he has a very good physical skill set, and there are elite traits that he has, like his balance and cut ability and versatility as a runner, ability to play with power or speed or, or short area quickness. But I don't think he's got great long speed. I don't think he's exceptionally strong. He just runs with leverage. But he's so good at picking his way through the line of scrimmage and really ducking in and out and forcing false steps from defenders and manipulating the second level when he gets up into the line of scrimmage. He might see a guy that's flowing in, and he ends up, you know, taking a step and turning the head inside before banging back outside. And you see these dynamic lateral cuts. Reminds me of what we saw from Dalvin Cook at Florida State. And if you remember, you look back to the combine last year, people were shocked that Dalvin only ran 4-5. It's, oh my goodness, is, is Dalvin super overrated? And then Dalvin goes to Minnesota and plays a couple games and is tearing the league up before he gets hurt and, and ends his rookie season. So... I think I see a lot of similarities there between their running styles. I've seen guys get caught from behind a few times. So don't be shocked if he doesn't run blazing fast. I don't care because Geis is really intelligent as a runner, and that makes me feel really good about his pro projection. It's just a shame that he's in the same class as Barkley because nine times out of ten, this is a guy that's the top running back on everybody's board. Yeah, I, I like everything you said there. I wanted to kind of uh, expand on two things. Number one is vision. Like, I think that he is such a natural feel for anticipating creases and then showing vision in the hole to set up his next move. And like you said there, his ability to kind of bob and weave in traffic and and uh, run with great pad level, low pads, and just kind of keep his his momentum going through contact is really special. And like and that, that goes to his balance. Like, his ability to wiggle and spin out of tackles and have guys draped on top of him and find a way out of that and just compete and fight for every inch – is really, really nice, and 
like almost to a fault. Like I get a little bit nervous about his style, right? Like he's a guy that's just gonna we say it we say it about other guys, he's a guy that's gonna stick his face in a fan and like it. Like he looks for that contact. He wants to plow into linebackers and make them pay for trying to tackle them. So he does have some stylistic uh, things about him that I love, but also worry, make me worry just a touch about his longevity. But yeah, I think this is an obvious feature back. He didn't have a lot of production as a receiver, which is interesting. Uh, you know, could be could be a little bit of uh, just what he was asked to do, but I didn't see a lot of burst in and out of his breaks as a route runner, so that's something to keep an eye on, but I, I think he's got enough to be a, a factor uh, a, a factor as a receiver in the NFL. So uh, yeah, I, I like him. I think he's I think he's a, a touch below Barkley, obviously, in terms of just traits and you know what what I think he can be at the next level. But um, yeah, for me, this is this is RB one, this is RB two, uh, in Geis and Barkley, and um, I think what this kind of does is this 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 allows me to say this, and you know I'm a I'm a I've been a largely a guy who wants to wait for running backs and. Uh, you know, I think I can get value at running back on day two and even in the early portions of day three. And, uh, you know, there's so many examples of guys that can be value picks and be my starting bell cow running back. But I've done a lot of work on this class, and I like Ronald Jones, and I like Nick Chubb, and I like Sony Michelle. But I don't think there's a consolation in this class for Geis and Barkley. And I think that has more to do with Geis and Barkley than it does the depth of this running back class because I like the depth of this running back class. But I think what these two players can be in terms of a focal point of your offense and, and offer traits that are, t- are tough to defend. I mean, just quite honestly, there's a, those guys are going to be a handful at the next level that I don't see a consolation prize. If you want an, a running back, you want a guy to, to be the anchor of your rushing attack, you think you've got to take one of these two guys in, in, the, in the first round and, and not think twice about it. Yeah, I definitely think that there's a notable step down. Uh, this, is, this is something I've talked at length about uh, did a spot with clevelandbrowns.com at the senior bowl and they, they were asking about running backs and you know they got first and, and fourth overall and you know if we take a quarterback what do we do it for is running back like really an option or should we be focusing on like 33rd pick and um i do think there's a step down i do think the depth in this class is notable it's very good i think you could line up running backs three or four through ten, eight or ten, and it's it's really what flavor do you prefer? What What's your preference? Do you like uh, a receiving style back that's a, kind of an outside zone runner? Do you like bangers like Nick Chubb? Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of scheme dictated, I feel like, as far as the, the next group down. But, no, I, I think the generational talents, the guys that are going to be top-tier running backs in the NFL and can be game-changers on your offense, Joe, I am absolutely with you. That That is both of these guys, provided they're able to stay healthy. Uh, as, and I wanted to bring up one more thing on Geis because you talked about, and I, I like that you brought this up, you were talking about his ability to look for contact, right, where he, he looks to punish guys at times. And I'll tell you why I don't mind that piece about Geis, because he parlays it so well sometimes where he'll stick his face right in your chest, and then the next time he comes back, he addresses you with that same aggressiveness into the point of first contact, and then he might spin off of you, or he might juke at last second. 
And he, he puts the defenders on their heels so well because he's willing to take the contact, but then he has the balance and the foot agility to collect himself on late adjustments in those situations that I don't mind heavy hits every once in a while because this is not a tall guy. This is not a guy like Barkley where uh, the pad level can come up just because of how big he is. You know, Geis doesn't have that same build and, and height to his natural frame. So he's almost always under guys. And he's got good flexibility in the lower half, so he's able to really drop his hips down and stay under guys. So I don't mind that physical component of his game because he uses it to his advantage where he's playing chess with you out there. He's, am I going to go around you? Am I going to go through you? Am I going to cut late? Am I going to back back inside? And you can see, you know, when he's right and physically right, he just works defenders in one-on-one situations. Kyle, are you uh, ready to talk about comps with either one of these guys? Because I've got, I've got comps for both that I feel pretty good about. I've got a comp for Geis, okay. which I've already kind of teased, and I, I don't have a comp for Barkley just because mm-hmm. there's, there's components of his game yeah. that I feel like correlate to Geis, but as far as like his total package, I haven't settled on one yet, but I am ready to talk about him. Okay. Well, I've got one for both. So since, since we both have one we feel good about for Geis, do you want honors here or do you want me to go first? Uh, I mean, I already said it. I'll say Dalvin Cook. Okay. I just okay. think that the style of running – is similar. I think the traits will end up being similar, and I would just encourage everyone, don't panic if he's not the explosive athlete that you think he is because he's so quick. His feet are so quick that it doesn't really matter that he might not have 4-4 flat 40 speed. For me, I really was trying to find a mix between Alvin Kamara and Marshawn Lynch. And I just settled on Marshawn Lynch. And I, I like Geis's agility a touch more than, than Lynch. But keep in mind, like not like Lynch right now. Lynch back when he was with Buffalo in his early Seattle days. Um, you know, I, I really like in their styles. Just guys that are just a, a, a load to tackle through contact and their ability to just kind of move piles and have good speed but not like elite speed i don't think they're going to be you know just guys that are consistent home run guys but uh even the receiving side of things kind of like modest receiving skill set but can get it done so for me that that's where i go with with marshawn lynch but you know alvin kamara came into play because like just the balance and the ability to sustain himself through contact but um i, I settled on lynch for him so i don't know if you have one for barkley but i do give me one all right and, and so, you know, look, I, thinking about his size, his agility, uh, his receiving skills, I went with Ladanian Tomlinson. I think it's the uh, best I one. I knew it. I, think it. I just think it's the best one. Um, and I think, what, I think they're similar, but what really gave it, pushed it over the edge for me to be Tomlinson was just kind of what I talked about with kind of a – Ladanian Tomlinson wasn't a small back. You know, they're kind of similar, similarly built. But they still kind of had those elusive traits that were more prevalent than the banger traits. And so that's why I think that Tomlinson's a, a good stylistic uh, comparison for me when I think about Barkley. Okay. I'm not going to hate it. I would ask you this. I'm going to parlay our comparisons piece, since I don't have a comp for Barkley, 
Uh, I'm going to ask you what you think their best individual trait is, both of these guys. Um, I, for Barkley, probably just how elusive he is. His ability to get width in his cuts and is, is pretty rare. For his blend of size and agility, for Geis, it's balance. Yep. So for me, it's, it's lower body power for Barkley in both linear situations and with his cuts laterally. And then Geis, his balance, I agree with you, is, is easily his top trait. There, there you have it. So, anybody else in this first round discussion for running backs for you? I know we still got some work to do. We got final pieces of the data to put together. Yeah, probably. Yeah, not. no, I, I don't think so. I think, God, I wish Nick Chubb didn't have that injury to his knee, yeah. because Chubb, Chubb was kind of on this level right before he got hurt. Uh, is just really viewed as this sensational back, and he is back to being tremendous. But I think the medical side for him, that was an ugly injury. Who's, the, who's another running back? Willis McGahee, maybe, as far as like a guy that had that caliber of an injury and was able to have a successful long-term, relatively long-term NFL career. So that's not saying it can't be done. And Chubb has already proven that he's a physical freak for the fact that he came back and did not miss any game time in 2016 off of that injury halfway through the 2015 season. Uh, I mean, that that injury was one of the ugliest knee injuries that we've seen in a long time. So I, I think it's a good omen that he has two years back under his belt already. But I would hardly be surprised to find out that the NFL doesn't like what they find in medicals or has concerns about his longevity as a runner because of the knee injury. So... For me, he's the next guy in line, and I'm not going to have a chance to see his medical, so that, that won't sway me either way, but I do think that because of that history, uh, it, it really eliminates any chance you see him in the first round. My, my last thought here, Kyle, is uh, we're doing seven-round mock drafts right now on NDT Scouting. Each team is getting done. Uh, we'll be done, I think, on the 10th. We started just right around the start of the uh, right around the Senior Bowl game. And uh, so I had the Carolina Panthers, which dropped on Sunday. And when I was making that third-round pick, the one that they actually got from Buffalo in exchange for Kelvin Benjamin, on the board was Nick Chubb. And I think about Jonathan Stewart and him. You know, he's really kind of fizzled out over the last couple of seasons, not been the same guy. And really he's, he's kind of been fizzling out for a while now. And now they have Christian McCaffrey. What a backfield tandem would that be with oh, Christian man. McCaffrey and Nick Chubb? Uh, it, that would just be something. So uh, I know that the Panthers are looking for a GM. Well, I think that would be a pretty good plan. But uh, Call me. Yeah, I think that would just be too much fun. I'd love to see him in a situation like that where he can complement a guy with you know, a McCaffrey's type of skill set. Yeah, that would be a ton of fun, seeing that kind of one-two punch manifest itself. and. Uh, really work with an offensive line in Carolina that's got some nice pieces. I know they they were kind of maligned coming into the year, and they still need a left tackle, but uh, by and large, that offensive line did well this past year, and it was indicated by their record as well. Uh, Joe, great discussion today. That's going to do it for us today on the Draft Dudes podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning back in. Uh, I know some of you may have tuned in on Friday for the live show. 
We had some technical difficulties, hence why it was not in the queue on your podcast app. So we thank you for your patience, and we would like to reassure you that those technical difficulties have been troubleshooted. Troubleshooted? Troubleshot? I don't know, either way. Uh, so, But we are planning on doing the live shows again at the end of the week. So if you guys have any preferences on times, time schedule, whether that's Friday night, Thursday night, Saturday morning, let us know what your times are. We can't accommodate everybody. We are not on demand unless you pay us a lot of money. So none of you guys are lining up with the checkbook, so I'm just going to say let us know your time. We'll do our absolute best to kind of find a time slot and niche for this end of the week thing that suits you guys because that's the goal is we want to interact with you guys. We want you guys to be engaged in the show and talking to us and asking us questions on the air and live. And uh, It's fun. It, it's, it's a fun change of pace for us. You know, Jill and I are so used to sitting down in the pre-show and talking with one another for 45 minutes before we record the damn thing. So getting you guys involved in this process is, is a, a fun idea. We hope you guys have some fun with it and get involved. Uh, you can reach Joe on Twitter at the Joe Marino. I am at NDT Scouting. Let us know your preferred time slots, and we will go from there. As always, swing over to NDTScouting.com. Check out all of our latest and greatest. Joe made mention of the team-specific seven-round mocks. Uh, we put up some player notes over the weekend. Uh, we got mock draft coming up for the first round from one of our staff. I'm not going to tell you who. you got to go check it out. Uh, lots of good stuff. Lots of really exciting content coming through. Swing over, check it out. Check out our stuff at FanRag Sports as well. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino. This is the Draft Dude Podcast, and we will talk to you all on Wednesday. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.